he didn't just buy the blood in the streets, he bought the streets as well. Like, that's not a move that I was going to make. Omies, welcome to the first episode of Agora Offsiders, where Stablino, Wagme, and I, Shark, break down the week that's been. This is our first episode, which was recorded earlier today. Enjoy. Let's start off with the macro roundup. So, um, guys, what what I've been looking at in terms of macro is this uh, treasury debt ceiling stuff. Um, I saw, Stablino, you posted about this also, um, that the treasury, essentially at the moment, they're just running down what's in the treasury reserve in the US, um, and they're not able mm-hmm. to issue any new bonds, which just means there's a a lot more liquidity um, in the market because it's not being sucked up by those bonds. Is that is that what you were posting about as well? In in general, right? Yeah, I saw. Have you guys seen the light a little bit? Um, that's the the Treasury's general accounts. And so the the takeaway on that is that this is stuff that's already committed. It's not necessarily new money printed, but it's not money that really circulates outside of uh, Treasury bonds. Um, it's all of like the postal workers retirement funds and the government employees that are in ultra short term securities and they so when they like when i say ultra short term uh one of them uh they hit on the daily so they can pivot that money really quickly it's about 320 some billion dollars in kind of like this slush fund that they can use while handling the uh the debt ceiling narrative yeah, and that's the debt ceiling's been reached as well, or at least it's going to be reached today. I saw. Oh, sorry. Yeah, last yeah, week. No, that's what I saw <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Wagmin, did you have any thoughts on this one? I think that the guy to follow on this stuff is this um, Dharma Trade, D H A R M A Trade, and. Um, he basically tracks each day the flows in each of these major um, accounts and then what the the sort of net liquidity impact of all of that is. So I think if you're interested in that, that's a good account to follow. Is, in, is that on uh, Twitter? On Twitter, yeah. Yeah, but all right. Cool. I think in general, I'm sort of trying to um, uh, spend less time thinking about this macro stuff and um, and more time getting into some of the specifics of of certain projects because i think even the best macro guys in the world um do not pretend that they've got a handle on um the macro situation at any given point in time so um you know for me i'm I'm trying to just get deeper into particular projects you know i had a college professor on the macro side who said if any economist opens his mouth with an argument and doesn't start it with it depends he's probably full of shit so that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I'm looking at a lot of this. Um, there's different arguments: is liquidity really expanding or not? In the net, my opinion, as of the next 30 days, is we're still going to see a a net decrease. But you have to be able to read all of these, you know, kind of esoteric indicators. So you yeah. see, Dama trade is that Dama underscore trade or? Uh... No, I don't think it's underscore. It's Dharma. We are in. No, I can't find it. But we can just it... post it in the in the chat, and then I'll tweet it out the links for the episode after. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I listened to a forward guidance episode uh, yesterday or the day before from Blockworks. Um, they have really good youtube videos and they had uh they had uh in in one of their weekly roundups they were talking about how everyone thinks that there will be these sort of uh <laughs> that the the rates will pause and that's like really great but it's not actually that great if <laughs> they don't pivot eventually because the, as that flows through it's still going to wreck everything towards the end but yeah i think i think i agree like macro is not that relevant um at the moment um because we have already been through the rises the other one to look at if you if you've got an interest in this stuff is that latest arthur hayes piece and i think he tries Mm -hmm. to outline a few different scenarios of um of the paths that we could take 
and essentially his conclusion is that it, it's unlikely that we just have a smooth ride to um, bringing inflation back in the band. We're probably going to need um, some some turmoil before we start seeing um, the big liquidity guns pulled out again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, going yeah. along, going along with his conclusion, right? I think the other thing I've been seeing chat on different CT personalities about is this: we had that bearish kind of PTSD focus on the inflation prints, the CPI prints, right? And now I'm seeing this conversation chat to okay. Regardless of where that goes, 25, 50, if we end up in a recession, we're going to have to start looking at those recession indicators more for our trades on the macro side than the yeah. uh, inflation numbers alone. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I think that covers us on, on kind of the macro side. We're, we're curious, but, you know, not, not that curious about what's happening around macro. Um, and then we have the around the economy section. So... In this one, we talked about uh, the Frax Flywheel um, podcast. I don't know if you guys have checked that out. That's DeFi Dave. He's been around forever. I think he was over at Gelato as their BD guy for a while, but now he's like heavily involved in Frax. Um, and they're asking for 200K in financing for this kind of media operation over there. They like run a pretty high quality <laughs> um product compared to like um what what uh what what there is elsewhere outside of sort of um protocols running their own um marketing but yeah they've got that um frax bull account which they like put memes up on and um you know they have very interesting people come on their podcast as well yeah, did you go well this one yeah, i would agree yeah, this is one of the best podcasts going around at the moment, I think. Um, and they do a good job of trying to bring more of a, a sort of education bias to the Frax ecosystem rather than um, a sort of pure um, pure shill, which is which is nice. But, um, you know, they're, they're basically the BD team of Frax at the moment in a way, while the, um, the core team members focus on actually shipping out products. Yeah, I think they've like got a, a good for-profit education business, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. exactly. Well, it's, um, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a kind of little sub-DAO almost for their marketing, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I hope it passes. You know, it's it's a pretty good product, and, uh, you know, I think yeah. you could do a lot with that kind of money on their side. The only other kind of podcast that I thought has been pretty – Pretty sweet to listen to. It doesn't have the same visuals, right? But the Honeycast from the old Barachain guys, I get hooting and hollering listening to, <laughs> to that one. They got the sound effects lined up, all of it. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty high quality production. They did, it's the same guys who did the Redacted Cartel uh, podcast. And we work with a couple of them before they like, uh, kind of, I want to say grew out of Agora. And there were a couple of Agora contributors who kind of started that up before they headed over there. So, um, yeah, very good podcast also. Um, good on them. Yeah. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, then we have Redacted Times Jones partnership proposal. So what this was is essentially Redacted has indicated they're going to deposit like a sizable amount they don't actually disclose the amount in the proposal but i assume it's like you know pretty sizable um into the jusdc vault um which is pretty i mean like that's <laughs> they've got it audited but yeah. it's like <laughs> it's quite Ballsy moody, move. Right? <laughs> i didn't yeah i mean i get it there's a lot of hype on the project though and the the um gl the JGLP product as well from Jones, right? So um, uh, good to see that they're picking the uh, less risky of the two products, I think, uh, with the yeah. JUSDC. But I, I definitely think Ohm is wise to watch how they go first, right? <laughs> I mean, how much USDC have those guys got? I haven't, I haven't sort of tracked their stable holdings. Uh, redacted? I think yeah. they've got quite a bit of stable coin. But they had it in like a three-curve position, like several million, I think. Um, okay. We can check that out. Um, you could tweet at us if you're in the audience and you know. Um, the 
so this is the Jones sort of JUSDC vault, which is essentially you're providing liquidity for leveraging up uh, GLP, but they take all the risk of um, sort of volatility, the GLP holders, but they also get the sort of high yield benefit. I think someone put up a screenshot of like 40 or 50% APY on your ETH ETH volatile position, but then you're also taking on risk that the traders um, outdo you and then you don't get the sort of benefit of moving up from the, um, say, the ETH, the ETH increases in prices, I mean, price or like, you know, drops in price, then you're more exposed or less exposed to that volatility. Yeah. Andrew Kang has got a massive uh, ETH long and BTC long on uh, GMX right now. Right, so that's where that uh, liquidity Andrew Kang is coming yeah. from. Yeah, <laughs> the GLP they were, they were, don't want to put too much. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's like a bit of fud around that as well. Like the you can't make um, GLP insolvent from an upwards move because they don't allow you to take more leverage than um, is they have ETH in the treasury so at, at like worst for the move up at least um you know you're not you're just not getting exposure to that price increase in the glp holding i think is the is how i've seen it oh explained. well very good yeah very good. all right well well go What's ahead it? and try and liquidate Andrew <laughs> King. well it's like it's kind of it's kind of fine like he can win but that he's still paying them fees right so it's yeah. they they might get wrecked in terms of they don't get the upside of the ETH. Um, and then on the downside, it can get like quite ugly, but like, I think down downside has been quite almost always profitable for the GLP. So, so they actually have the amount of ETH exposure in the GLP position that they allow to go to the upside. So, um, yeah. I anyway. feel you. I feel you, Mark. Yeah, no, that was, uh, DCAing from my stable farms on Arbitrum was all going into uh, GLP. That was how I <laughs> I thought I could risk on in my little, uh, you know, tiptoe way. So I'm excited yeah. for this product with Jones now, without a doubt. Um, yeah. On the whitelist, I did get. Are you on the whitelist? Alpha. Oh, but, all right. Um, I am right, but I am because of Nitro Cartel's passport. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Nitro Cartel. You're like in everything. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, 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 re I research about everything. I don't always pull the pull the, uh, pull the, the trigger. trigger. But this is Nitro Cartel is like kind of a, a same concept of, um, you know, our our redacted cartel. I think there yep. may be some overlap, but there's they're anon, so you don't really know who the launchers are, but. They've got a product that's like an index product, but it's going to be in integrating um, GLP um, into it as well, so that you have some some extra value on top of it, not just a straight index on all the Arbitrum ecosystems. Um, so holding this NFT passport, which they sold a couple weeks ago, um, which didn't sell out, so they ended up burning the rest of the, uh, the mm -hmm. passes, um, gives you whitelist to. JGLP and JUSDC. So we'll see. We'll see where they go. But uh, nice to see that there's somebody's got a redacted style type um, approach to all of the arbitrum action that's going to be coming forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I would. I would probably put some in the JGLP. Probably not JUSDC because the yield's like ten percent or something, um, which is fine. But like. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, I've got a small bag of roll over from GLP and give it yeah. a shot. Um, and the then, culture. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we had the Klima passes retirement bonds. I know, Wagme, you've been watching this one closely. Um, this essentially is allowing uh, better purchasing of. Uh, carbon on chain essentially because you're they retire well maybe magni you explain it i don't want to butcher it <laughs> yeah it's in, instead of going through liquidity pools you can basically interact directly with the with treasury otc to um, procure larger volumes of 
tons for offsetting, but it has the benefit for Klima of um, facilitating a burn of um, some of the Klima supply. So essentially it gives you that mechanism that Olympus has where you, during times of um, lower demand for the token, you can flex down the um, supply. And I think there's a little arbitrage as well that the that the treasury picks up um, as well on the um, on the pricing um, difference between Klima and the um, and the underlying tons. So um, hypothetically, uh, looks like a um, uh, a good product for the protocol. I think um, one of the interesting things to me is that in the snapshot some address emerged with um, 300,000 Klima and voted against it. And um, that's a huge bag of, of uh, Klima. Like this, this person has somehow accumulated basically three to 4% of the, um, of the protocol. Um, and um, I'm sort of, um, I'm hunting around to see if I can figure out who it is because um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very high conviction play um, that's not the, Mark Cuban at this point, right? <laughs> no, I think he's long gone. <laughs> I think so, Cuban. No, Cuban's a... still a. Um, no, Cuban's absolutely still a um, an active supporter. Well, yeah, on the seed the, side, uh, right? Of, of the protocol. Yeah. Oh, he is. Um, yeah, he he often he often sort of references Klima when um, when he's discussing use cases in um, you know in crypto and Web three. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, there's um, there's someone that has a that very high conviction on uh, Kleeman has basically accumulated nonstop um, during this um, uh, this um, downturn period that we've had. It could also be hijinks, right? Like someone who has an interest in sort of uh, oh, maybe not. That doesn't make very much sense. Interesting. You know, for the same reason that we're. Maybe we'll talk about this Orion potential fork or whatever oh, yeah. the last couple of days. <laughs> you know, maybe some folks are like, "Oh, what's going on in Cleveland?" Maybe I'll, I'll buy the Pico Dorado. Let's jump thing, into so. uh, let's jump into Orion now. Yeah, sure. While we're finishing out the economy, All I right. mean, I'll I'll, I'll kick you off. tell us. Yeah, I, I, Please. I think this is fascinating. I mean, it looks like absolutely nothing. Yeah, in the sense that um, you know, the, there's no details on it. It's um, it's a couple, couple of the, um, the the guys from Olympus have observed that it's um, basically a grift um, with the whole Ohm um, rebirth branding. But the the engagement that they've had is um, is huge, right? So they've now got nine thousand people following this Twitter account, which has basically um, got two tweets that, that say nothing. And that's up a thousand in like two hours. <laughs> yeah, and two hundred and fifty thousand views on their, um, um, you know, announcing Orion Labs interact with this tweet. So I, I find that I find that fascinating. I mean, if they if if people punch a whole bunch of money into this thing, we are we are absolutely back. And there's 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 some decent speculative flows that are that are moving around. So it's a good indicator of um what what the market is kind of the appetite for new risk is do you think absolutely i mean i think in in terms of whether this is something that you um you know you want to get involved with uh, i uh i i wouldn't have thought so at all i mean there's it's we're in a very different part of the cycle here to when a lot of those initial own forks launched and um, Olympus itself had a very big premium and there was a reasonable basis to speculate that something new with a lot of um, uh, new money coming into it would also um, have an initial premium. Um, you know, we're sitting here now with most of the compelling um, Olympus models. So I sort of see that as Ohm itself, Klima and um, Redacted. Um, you know, they're all, they're all trading at discounts to their, to their backing at the moment. Um, so I, I, I would be very surprised if people pushed a whole bunch of assets into this thing and it traded at any sort of premium for, for, for any material period of time. I would say I'm, I would also yeah. be surprised, right? Without a doubt. But so as the middle, as a, I believe myself to be a, a middle curve guy, right? If I am looking to the left or the right side of me, there's, there's two things going on. 
right? On, on the left side of the curve, people are just itchy to pull the lever on the slot machine, right? Like you were saying, appetite for risk, right? On the right side of the curve, you know, it, what would be a, a big positive indicator for me on this fork to where I might put my toe into it would be if they said, you know what, we are going to fork all of RBS and do the first fork of a Olympus style launch, but with RBS going from the get-go, right? They can't necessarily do work? the lower, because you don't have the, exactly, you don't have the lower, you don't have the buyback potential, right? And, you know, in the first day or two, you don't. But I think about, um, not Snowdog, but some of the other ones over on um, Avalanche, that fork, yeah. right? Right, they had that um, bonding event launch. Well, if you could get and capture in the first 24 to 48 hours and throw that all into backing into an RBS, you might extend out the game, right? The casino game, another week or another two weeks before where you wouldn't, right? So that's, it, I don't know how it would work. I'm not, again, middle curve, not right curve, but. Well, I think we know. I think we know how. Things I think we know how it will work, uh, and it's evident in the fact that there are there are basically zero own forks left in existence. <laughs> so, you know, like this, this is such a, a right? battle test path, and if anything, it's become materially harder to um, to fork it now with the the various mechanisms that are dependent on the um, on the treasury backing and the liquidity that um, that the protocol has. Well, picture this, right? So say you had a uh, own fork and then you had like an initial liquidity event and you're like, you're going to get one for one with your backing. So we're not going to take anything, um, you know? And then they set up RBS, but they set it like 10% above backing. And they're like, well, it's 10% above backing. So you can sell into it and get your money out you know, a, a 10% premium to what you put it in, or you can hang in and we can slowly move up together. Um, I mean, eventually, like, you know, it might spiral down, but that'd be, like, interesting, at least, I think, to see. Yeah. I think I like waves, right? Do I think it's likely? No, I don't zero. think it's likely. Sorry, Wagmin, you were saying something? Well, I just think if Sorry. you did that, Guy, you know, guys like us would be in there, and we would, um, you know, we would immediately sell that down for the, um, you know, for the arbitrage. But when would we sell it? We wouldn't sell it for ten percent if the like buy-in's like five hundred bucks or something, right? It's one of those things. If you know, if you're you're going to sell it for fifteen percent, I'll sell it for fourteen percent, and someone else will sell it for thirteen percent. Yeah, it spirals down. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I it would be a market litmus test, right? No matter what, which way yeah. you win. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it, definitely. Um, yeah. So then we had the die savings rate, where we're getting 1%, and we're, I think we're, it's 77 million that we're putting into the DSR module, um, yep. which is, you know, sort of the rest of our die, other than the die in the balancer pool, which is like, 15 or 16 mil i think so i actually i actually am not a big fan of die i don't they've got all this real world asset risk uh and then they give us one percent like <laughs> they're making more than one percent on their die right? so yeah what are we what are we doing we're taking on all this risk um and then they're giving us like this really low rate. Like I looked up the compound rate before we started and that's paying 2%, right? For USDC. So less risk, right? Cause DAI actually includes DS USDC risk in itself, right? You're exposed to USDC risk by holding DAI because they have like three or 4 billion USDC in their holdings. And then on top of that, we're getting like 1% return. What did you guys think about this? I think we're somewhat... Go for it, um, yeah, yeah, thanks, mate. We're, we're somewhat tied at the hip with these guys at the moment until we, we find a better solution. So un, until we get some 
some other viable liquid um, decentralized uh, assets, particularly pegged stable coins that um, that that we can um, substitute out for Dai. I think we're we're already very heavy heavily tied to them. Um, so I I agree with you. I, I see where your sentiments coming from, but I suspect there's actually not any undue uh, increase in risk that's been taken on here. I don't think it's additional risk, right? Like in terms of I think the DSR is die savings rate module is like you know essentially part of die, right? Like um, so it's not like putting we might as well get the one percent while we're holding the seventy-seven million, and that sounds like what your position is, Wagney. Uh, Stablino, you had you had thoughts on this one too? Yeah. Well, I, I think Wagney's point about until we have some other better options is one that I think everyone recognizes, right? Um, to shout out the uh, Ohm Discord and uh, where a lot of this conversation has been happening in the policy forum. Great to have threads there now, by the way. Way to go, uh, guys that are running the Discord. Um, you can follow all of this type of discussion in the reserve assets discussion um, thread. And within there, you know, I think we've seen every, a lot of the other potential conversations about what, you know, what would you do, right, besides die. Um, I like the move because it's, we're just, it's nice to see us put some of those assets in a low-ish risk return and, and get some kind of revenue to support operations and op, op expenses. Um, I would agree that we're probably underposing the risk of die, right? Not that I'm a huge fan of Chris Black. He does monitor the centralization capture of MakerDAO pretty darn well recently in some of his threads. So if you want to read about that, you can check him out. But um, overall, if if I were that new treasury position getting filled and, and just trying to kind of set a base here, I would be rebalancing away from DAI, perhaps to some more fracks in the short term and um, getting some of that exposure uh, in FRAX and FRAX lending pools or some of those other integrations. In terms of other next best options for us to really keep our eyes out for, um, I believe that Curve USD will probably play um, a pretty significant role because we can expect, I believe, the liquidity to be there, right? For it to be a more sizable portion of our treasury and it being exposed to um, to just ath right in the curve pools makes pretty good sense um, to me. Um, at the same time, you know, if you're going to do that, um, you might as well definitely have some of that frax exposure. And there's going to be other options that I think will attract pretty significant liquidity early on. Um, being dinero with Butterfly, right? We have those relationships there. We can have. If we're going to take the USDC risk, maybe we can have some smaller amounts in JUSDC, maybe when we're cross-chain, right? And then there's, you know, more um, more kind of out there, more developmental stuff. And Omi Mick Hagen, uh, as some of you guys uh, remember Mick, um, from back in the day, he um, wound down his CD5, uh, centralized DeFi project and successfully paid back everybody who deposited it, plus interest, no rugs, way to go on that, um, and revealed himself to be uh, the anon behind right finance, which is taking a, another look at a algorithmic but over-collateralized um, stablecoin as well, right? But that's still very early on, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I think we'll have a, a menu of choices and we have to wait and see who, who comes in in this new treasury management position and uh, what their approach is going to be. Mm, I agree. Yeah, I think it'll be like now that we have um, the RVS mechanism in place and um, there, there are some sort of bounds as to how much of our reserve base is going to be used to defend, um, essentially defend the um, the value of ohm i think it would be an interesting time to think about whether there's a little bit of a um increase in um volatile assets that we pivot into as well here and in particular i'm thinking about eat but um 
I think we, we need to sort of collectively form a view as to, you know, the time frame and the, the strategy in which we do sort of um, pivot away from having such a, a large weighting to stable assets. Well, when you bring that up, I definitely would say there's been some appetite and ask for it within the, within the Discord. And I apologize if you guys can overhear my papillon in the background. Um, but one thing I read recently, did you guys see the Walter thread from a couple of days ago? Yeah. 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 yeah it, it seemed like to me he was hinting at some kind of staked LSD or staked death derivative uh, play with the, uh, the ETH we do have, right? Um, and I think that would definitely be a good move for the Treasury. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And it'd be a way of expanding our position, right, slowly. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't take that away from it. I, I sort of thought that he was suggesting that um, some ohm would be um, utilized uh, to pair against an LSD and essentially um, start mm -hmm. to become a, a key pillar of liquidity for an LSD, which I presume would naturally be staked for in the first instance. Yeah, that's what, I agree. Yeah, that's what I thought he was getting at as well. I mean, essentially, he was saying we can provide one side and you can provide the other side. We get expanded liquidity and you get, um, you know, all the all the returns essentially from the LSD. I assume there'd be some sort of cut for Olympus as well. But because we don't really mind about the sort of volatility that's created by the LSD that kind of can make sense for us to supply on one side. So like if it's a uni V3 pair, we could, um, you know, say, well, we're willing to buy your LSD at whatever price and sell it at whatever price within these bounds. Um, if we know that it's kind of going to keep its peg, I expect that that will be after Shanghai though. Right. So that there can be better mm, yeah. <laughs> and have more assurance about where the, pig's going to be yeah yeah well and at that point of keeping all of your yield i think is a is an understated point mark right not it took me a couple times in research to realize that like when i staked um uh staked frax f and ripple um or rocket pool f on uh balancer and aurora for example that aurora i believe if, if i'm not misstating this wrong takes 50% of the staked F yields, right? And of course you get the Aurora and the balancer back instead, right? But I don't think everybody realizes that some of those staked F yields are going to, to those protocols and yeah. the protocols. It's not, in, it's not intuitive, that's for sure. Um, right. It's like such a huge amount as well. I think it's made up for in those Aura and um, Bow rewards, um, and they sort of take in an asset which they can kind of dump because it's, you know, an LSD, lots of liquidity. Um, but I imagine that won't be the case forever as the sort of uh, rewards. Uh, well, yeah, and I, uh, I would point out that on the tri-pool staked up derivative on Aurora, it was floating around like eight, eight and a half percent or so. And depending on the day, staked Fraxet alone uh, can flux upwards of over 9%, right? So it, it is something to keep an eye on. You're making a intentional decision to accumulate aura or balancer instead. Yeah. And I mean, we can start our own pools that don't have those kind of, um, kind of issues we can on balancer even, right? Like we don't have to agree to give away people to have to give away kind of some of their rewards or whatever it, it'll be interesting i'm sure they they've got like some scheme for it um so then we had the proposed new compensation structure for the dow i don't know if you guys had a good chance to look at this um it was posted like uh, like eight or ten hours ago um and what it what it essentially gets at is like this kind of bonus double your salary bonus was like a bit too ambitious and it should be more about sort of rolling out projects and sort of getting a bonus for that and so they were thinking three major projects over the year and 33 percent on each of those and then if they're delivered on time you get the full bonus and it kind of decays um if if the project takes longer 
Um, so we, they were looking at a total max contributor comp for 5.2 million per year. And that includes the sort of million dollar bonus and then audits and legal, et cetera, like 780K. Did you guys have a read of this? What did you think? I did not read it in depth, right? So if wag me, if you did, please chime in. Um, you know, what I, what I think top off my head is we were one of the first DAOs to trim when we shifted to bear, right? And, and be mindful of the runway. So I, I think the gut there is probably right. Um, but I would probably need to do some checking and, and research about, you know, we've seen so many of these big TradFi and tech companies uh, announcing layoffs this year, right? Um, you know, are we, are, we, are we being comparative in terms of valuations, right? Um, for our, our comp, we don't want to be throwing comp out crazy, um, but we need the right incentives. And I think completion incentives for projects done, not just random work performed is a, a good move. Wagmin, did you have any thoughts on this one? No, I haven't been through it in um, yeah. at all, so uh, I don't have any perspective. I yeah. mean, um, I think it's it's been fairly well managed at the moment, though. That they're you know they're giving thought to how to align the incentives, which is the right objective. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, I think it it it's it's much better to not have a higher exposure for those bonuses, like if we do go up, but. Um, and I think about one million is probably right, um, but yeah, we probably probably get more clarity on this when they release the Q4 report, and we can kind of see what they spent on each of the individual uh, units and kind of what they've been up to. Um, so then we had uh, more Frax deploying two million dollars to Frax Lent. Some lunatics come Good along. Proposal. He's made this proposal. Mark, you're killing my yields, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? But yeah, I'm for it. It's it's the right thing to do. But yeah, I, I what can I do? Well, you so, can put more money in there. Just, just chuck a couple million there yourself. Yeah. So some, so I think there is kind of people are taking that opportunity. I think there's like more than a million outside money so not from the frax amo that's deposited into there so what the proposal is for people following along is that um i essentially came along to the serve the forums and i was like hey why don't we put two million dollars frax into the frax lend geo frax pair it's audited by trail of bits um and i think this part of this part of it is kind of um underappreciated by holding fracks, we are taking on kind of the risk of exploits in each of their kind of products, right? So, um, yeah. so like just by holding fracks, we're kind of exposed to a frax lender exploit anyway. Um, I like you know it, it's kind of assumed that if there is an exploit, then fracks would be you know responsible because the code uh, is their code that they would, you know, kind of make that good. But um, yeah, we're, we're kind of holding this frax and you can only do, you can only get these yields by holding frax. So it's like an opportunity cost of holding frax that you can come in and sort of pursue these yields in the frax lend um, system, um, which is, you know, 6% yield is quite a lot, right? So, <laughs> um, but, but there's also this, um, and I was speaking to someone in the Dow recently, and they said, "Yep, they're gonna they're gonna be taking some moves on moving our f like idle frax to the frax base pool as well, which is very cool because that's kind of another inherent risk of holding frax. Um, in that, if the frax base pool gets exploited, then your frax is probably worth zero anyway. So you might as well put it in <laughs> the kind of risk-free rate of frax, which is the frax base pool. Um, so, so this one is also it provides more utility to Ohm, right? So um, it allows people to who want to hold Ohm but also want to go out and sort of buy up some ETH or other things, or you know. Take, take it out into fiat and spend it on their lives um, to 
to be able to do that more efficiently. Um, but yeah, there's quite good yield opportunities, Sabrina, as you know, uh, on Fraxlin. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of the proposal. And yeah, I, I'm not sure how it will be supported. What we hear back that they want to um, wait for the uh, treasury manager or some such, but yeah, at least it's on the board now, right? So. I agree. Good that it's on the board. Agree with the what you mentioned about risk. If you're holding fracs, right? That's how I see it. I, I don't have any racks, any fracs that I hold that is in earning interest somewhere in one of the one of the yields. So um, definitely something we should be moving forward with. Um, maybe we want to wait because they're considering a, a rebalance towards more fracs and away from die. Right? We don't know. Uh, it is right a very Oh, sorry, go ahead. I would just say, you know, for in terms of managing the position, right? Self compounding, set it and forget it, right? Low gas cost. It's a great way to do it. So for a treasury. Pretty easy. Wagme, did you yeah. have any thoughts on this one? Well, um, thank you for, for taking the initiative. Uh, I, I'm just keen to see us get on with this. And, um, I, I agree with your, your your logic and reasoning behind it, and I think we need to take advantage of the opportunity, frankly, to to start earning on on these idle um, reserves. When, um, as you point out, the the incremental risk, particularly in an isolated pool against your own governance token, is is, is effectively nothing. Yeah, I think uh, that's what I like to hear about my proposals. Um, so I, I think another thing is that, you know, uh, spending $5 million on the Dow contributors is a lot more palatable when you know you're kind of bringing in, um, sort of yield on the treasury assets. It's been properly risk managed, of course. Absolutely. Uh, so then well, we had with, uh, oh, to add with RBS in place, cause it's something we don't realize that was a lot of work going into managing um all of all of that monetary policy so now that it's optimized i think the new dollars that we're putting into it really is towards building new integrations and, and partnerships right so that money that they are spending i think will be even more could be even more effectively used with the automation of rbs in place yeah definitely we still and we said the yeah the policy team um you know a few of them off-boarded um not off border, but they, you know, decided to leave or whatever, just because there was, um, you know, different things that they could be doing or um, that they were interested in doing, and there wasn't that as much work going around in the policy team. So then we had tap 19 deposit up to 100% of aura, 100% uh, into order of our balance of pairs. <laughs> so there's like 10 people on the forum saying they don't want to do it because they don't want to expose um, our LP positions to like aura contract risk, which is fair enough, I suppose. Um, I'm just not like, I, I know that the proposal says up to 100%, um, which doesn't mean that they'll be doing it all at once or even that they would want to do it all at once. I don't know why we would need to put in 100% because assumedly we would get the full exposure because we're the only LPs in the pool um, by putting in 50% or 10% or whatever it is. Um, did you guys see this or have any thoughts about it? it sounds like a bold move. Um, there's, I presume there's no locks on this stuff, right? We're just depositing and able to withdraw. Yeah, as I we think please. that's the case. Mm -hmm. So this yeah. is what gives us the ability to get that aura yield, right? So the sure. whole point of getting the aura is that we can vote for ourselves and then get that yield from the pools. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they come back and explain why it has to be up to 100% rather than some smaller amount if we are the kind of sole or almost sole liquidity provider in the pools. Maybe they're expecting no. the rate to be higher than the seven <laughs> percent i'm not i'm not necessarily the the wrinkled brain guy to go after it but just watching this space right um good old temple dow 
right, move to their random AMOs, Ramos, right? And they do not have uh, the total value <laughs> into Aurora. They have an optimized amount because same way they're the, the primary liquidity provider on the pool, right? So maybe there's some learnings there. Um, but it does say that, you know, there, I think it's like 80, 80 million, um, a, a big chunk of their uh, liquidity from Temple and BBUSD is in there with Aurora, right? So um, yeah. someone's taking that risk. <laughs> the, all the holders. I think there's less reason because they don't have an internal staking rate, right? That's more attractive for people who just want to LP, right? They can just go get that yield. Um, but I suppose right. it all comes back to them anyway because of the way Temple's now designed. Um, let's, let's, we've got 10 minutes left. Um, let's kick on. So the open strategy got snipped, like the tap, um, tap 16. And I think it's just because people were like, well, now that it's going up, it's kind of not a great time to, <laughs> to not have our exposure to the ETH that we've sort of bought at the top. So, um, is that, did you guys think that that was kind of how that vote played out? Cause it was like quite high. It was like 95 against. That was the gist of it to me. And I open is one of those more in the weeds protocols, right. As well. Right. With squeeze, not, yeah. not as known as others. Definitely. Yeah. I think, uh, Scoville really led a, um, uh, a, a sort of snowball of, uh, um, against voting on this one, which was interesting, but, um, I ended up voting against it as well because, um, I, I don't see why we would want to sell volatility. Um, you know, one of the um, benefits that we have is that we've got sufficient and adequate resources that we can um, accrue the benefits of that volatility. Um, and we have, you know, we have a, a huge um, base of um, stable coins, as I mentioned before. So I think it would be very different if our, um, our primary backing was ETH. And we were thinking about okay, how do we how do we sort of manage the, the the tail risks around ETH? But when it's such a small component of our treasury, I think we should just hold that volatility. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how I was thinking about it too. Uh, then we had the first set of composable bonds; they expired. Um, there's a cool dashboard that Spoys P made, um, which kind of tracks what's going on in the secondary market for these bonds. I expect both of you uh, bondors, given your um, fascination with the protocol. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we had Thomas Covell, who was doing the countdown in the Discord, kind of keeping the hype going and kind of giving a running commentary about what was going on there as well. Um, so now we've got to see the next round of bonds, right? Like, <laughs> that's that's what we'll be waiting for. Yeah, when this bonds. is one... Yeah, when bonds exactly, and this this is one area where I'm probably keen to see a little bit more um, sort of communication and direction because um, you know it's not clear to me what the next steps are or what the work is is being done to um, review the the data from the initial tranche and then um, sort of chart out the path forward. And I think um, this is a you know this is a critical component of the protocol. Um, and it's also an important time to leverage the mind share that that is there around um, own bonds and ensure that um, you know ensure that we've got healthy and liquid markets for them. Yep, Sabrina, did you have thoughts on this one too? You know, the pooper too is all about a bond-centric future. I think there's important conversation to be had around where uh, our emissions are going to go. What you know? What is the? What are the good reasons, though, for keeping some um, inflation running through staking, versus the complication and the the smooth brain people being able to figure it out and participate in that? Um, either way, I still think a vault for bonds is kind of built on top of Ohm, not necessarily by Ohm, is the the end game on this, and so. The more collaborative we are with our partners and uh, the more effort we put on um, around the bonding mechanism, the sooner those vaults can get built. And I think that's where we can start to see some some really good expansion of the ecosystem as well.
Yeah. 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 I, I but, think... I mean, it's chicken and the egg, isn't it? These vaults, they, they, they won't get built and deployed until there is um, sufficient product. Um, so I think, I think that's probably what people that are interested in spinning up these um, products are waiting for. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, it's unattractive from a tax point of view to constantly be recycling bonds because you're, if you're in a jurisdiction that sort of um, is doing uh, capital gains tax crystallization after a year of holding, then you're constantly getting those short-term gains <laughs> from bonds rather than just sitting on GM, right? Yeah. How to wait yeah. for a new tax year. Glad the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that worked out right, but I, I absolutely agree with you there, there, Mark. Mm -hmm. um, the I just I'll just bring up one thing um, before we finish up. Um, we still got potted thoughts, which we'll do in a sec. Um, but I think an underappreciated thing in the DAO is that we have the partnerships team, and they're interested in kind of getting you know own like more use cases, you know, partnering with people. And then we have the treasury team and they're like, you know, very risk averse, like we can't do anything. You know, we've got to, you know, preserve the wealth we have, you know, even small amounts, you know, we can't take any, we can't take any risk with them. So, but we're actually interested in the, so we have like $2 million in FXS. Um, and then we have, Kind of 1.2, I think I saw worth of Jones Dow. Um, and we've like, you know, we're holding fracks, but like we're actually, our interests are even more aligned in whole, in like seeing fracks succeed and taking action to like help fracks um, than we are in terms of maker. We don't hold any maker. Like we're not exposed to their upside of their profit. It's just a stable coin for us. And the same thing with Jones, right? Like, you know, Jones have like, you know, <laughs> they, they like made this commitment. They said they give us 3.3% of their uh, initial thing, uh, their initial distribution. Um, and, and, and we would, you know, kind of support them and work with them and be closely partnering with them. We've essentially done nothing with them. Um, which I think is a shame and definitely something that can be fixed up, even like with a small amount of money, um, just to show that, you know, we do support them or whatever to, to like deposit into their ETH vault or, you know, whatever. Um, and it doesn't even have to be very much money, but like the, the, uh, that, that we wouldn't buy more, like that we wouldn't have more exposure to fracks, even though it's like 1% of our treasury is exposed to upside. I think it just, it's we've got to try to change the way we think around around partnerships and use of the treasury um and that's something that i'll be um going on and on about in the future did you guys did you guys have any thoughts about that one as well well i i think on on jones specifically i think some of these more integrative partnerships will be even more easier when we have cross-chain native own, right? Yeah. And I know we intend to go to Arbitrum first from what I've heard around the DAO, right? Um, so that, that I think, is a, a, a big hang-up. But I do agree with you that uh, we should share a little bit of skin in the game, right? I think it would be reasonable to to have some exposure there. And, and that's where, whether we're going with the, their ETH vaults, right or we're just saying hey you know maybe maybe we'll we'll put a pilot in for some exposure on JUSDC or GLP right um i think that could build a more stronger intentional relationship with the arbitrum ecosystem uh, once we're cross chain yep i agree yeah let's disagree no no i agree i think this is this is pretty critical um part of the the, the um, sort of build out of the ecosystem. I mean, we do we have we the do. butterfly and then, you know, there's, <laughs> it's not just them either. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we've got kind of, 
our partners working together uh, beside us, but you know we've got to kind of I think get into the mix a little bit at least. Um, and and these things do cost resources, so it's like that's a really good argument to say. Well, why would we put twenty five k into Jones Dow when when the Dow's got to do all these things to make that happen that actually cost money to do? So your like returns not very big. And I think that's a good argument, but at the same time, I think like once you have it in there and if you don't have to move it it's kind of a, a sunk cost then right and then they can say oh olympus has you know deposited this amount um with us because you know they're supporting us and they think we're trying to build some cool stuff blah 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 like you know deal with your own risk but um yeah that's well, treasury to... manager <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah but it goes to um future partnership opportunities as well doesn't it because if um you know new protocols can see that olympus has been providing good support in terms of um you know potential liquidity provision or um just um driving awareness then they'll be more inclined to want to partner with us yeah i think and i think that's something that we've got to like kind of have up front mr treasury manager like the job of the treasury manager isn't only to maximize wealth or, you know, eliminate wherever possible and to the extent possible risk. But there's also like this third consideration there, which is sort of what is the objectives of like building out partnerships and soft power in the, in the economy. Um, so we might just finish up with uh, potted thoughts. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but potted, potted uh, things as he's now known has uh, been doing like a weekly uh, kind of little guest piece for the dispatch um, and this week he's done one on uh, liquidity and kind of is like how like uh, sort of introduction for those who aren't that familiar with like AMMs but then sort of like how AMMs can completely like um I, it's not like a malfunction. They're doing what they're meant to be doing, but like it's not the expected result when you have sort of a VC wanting to exit through an AMM. It just is, uh, you know, not not such a great time for holders because um, it it can just um, everyone's trying to get out either before them or like while they're doing it or whatever because nobody wants to hold the liquidity um and then he kind of makes this oblique reference to like olympus having this massive um uh on-chain liquidity um which provides that confidence as a reserve asset did you guys have a read of this what did you think stablina well i think it's great guidance right because uh i definitely have small bags in certain liquidity pairs, but I've seen some pain in the past from not keeping a strong eye on those, right? I, I had some liquidity uh, back in the day when um, Sandbox mooned, right? I would have captured much more gains if I pulled that liquidity before it mooned, right? Then recently, um, JPEG uh, ceased its uh, LP emissions because they had significant liquidity out there. And then uh, a week later it mooned, right? So you you were in better off if you had had pulled out before then, right? In general, I think it's a it's a it's a strategy that is billed as like here, deposit this money, get this APY um, that many learn the hard way, right? Without a doubt. So great great to see Potted talking about it. Yeah, Wagmin, did you have any thoughts on this one? No. I I agree. I mean, I think it's interesting to sort of tie it back to the fundamental uh, feature of the Olympus protocol as well, that we do have deep um, and sticky liquidity for um, participants to, to trade against. And that's a, that's, that's a really unique feature of the, the whole ecosystem. Like the fundamental innovation back in the day was pulled, you know? Just, Exa just exactly, bit. exactly. Yeah, was definitely. on here before he uh he jumped off he uh he, he couldn't make it to the end yeah i think he's on est so it's oh actually it's not that late is it he's probably got something on um i told him it's going to be recorded so he knows um i'm sure he's interested to see uh what, what we've got to say about all the different things um and um you know he might be be a guest host one of the one of the times um depending on how we structure out this show in the future um well uh did you guys have any 
closing thoughts uh anything you you wanted to want to air out uh in, in this public space i think just um, don't fomo the local top <laughs> right <laughs> i'm still risk averse right maybe that's me but be careful out there everybody yeah we've got a uh we've got a sideline or on the uh on the uh space that's good um, not completely but yeah i uh i am not like actually, the home fork day talk us through um if we've got a minute left here what's the what's the psychology at the moment so you, you you've sort of seen the market move up 30 plus percent um you've got assets that hypothetically over the longer term you want to have them deployed in productive uses rather than stables how are you how are you thinking about this at the moment and how, how are you feeling about it well i think the key differentiation is getting my thinking part to to walk in step with the feeling part right that's that's one of the biggest struggles right yeah. um i i i'm risk averse in the sense that there's capital preservation really helped me well from 21 and early 22 to now right and so you don't want to just abandon all of that but i think the folks that were able to really buy the i think socrates quoted on twitter that he didn't just buy the blood in the streets he bought the streets as well like that's not a move that i was going to make right but the people who did were rewarded and i think they had the game theory figured out all right guys we gotta bounce catch you next week homies.